You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. We are Celtic strong, baby. Are you ready, Steve? Oh, yes. I was born ready to talk about this. I've been waiting. We've been working. You excited? So excited. Just working our way back to this era and just ready to kind of just talk about it. Not get into all the nitty gritties of each season, but just kind of talk about our overall good feelings, good vibes about this era of the big three. And that, of course, is the most recent KG, PP, Ray Ray, big three. And we are excited to dive in to the ups and the downs, the championship run, the near misses, all of that. But first, Steve, first... We wanted to just share some of our thoughts and feelings and experiences about this era and coming into this era, you know, as longtime, lifelong Boston sports fans and Boston Celtics fans. We had long suffered, long suffered coming into this era for a real championship contender. In fact, Steve, it could be said very truthfully that the last time they had had an actual championship contender, Larry Bird had been on the court. Sure. So from one big three to another, it was a long championship drought. And save for a few early 2000 playoff runs with Paul Pierce and Twan. This had been a long time coming for Celtics fans. 
I know you and I were very excited. Very excited. Steve, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes. When you think of Kevin Garnett, what animal comes to mind? Wow. I don't know. A big ferocious bear or a tiger. Yeah. It's kind of like alpha super predator. (laughs) Just growling. How about Ray Allen? Howling. Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Just like like a cheetah. Just smooth. Fast. Sleek, smooth. Fast. Or like a peregrine falcon, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. And what, what an exciting way that this happened getting both of these all-star first team NBA at parts of their career, if not much of their career caliber players in the same off season, Steve. And for me, having followed those early two thousands runs closely, I know that you watched uh, a bunch of that era as well. And the really young Paul Pierce was such an exciting player and yet such a different player than he became and matured into in this era. And what a great thing to see three complementary superstars uh, play together, right? Absolutely. A lot of things that we could touch on uh, about you know, our impressions going into this uh, of the Celtics and these guys. But one thing I also wanted to touch on, if you don't mind, Steve, is what could have been. I think it's worth a few minutes of our time to just sure. talk about how many near misses right. there were in this big three era. Absolutely. And, I, you know, if we're talking about what ifs, what could have been, then I think you... You go right to the very beginning of this era when the Celtics were in the lottery of that draft and had almost like a 19, 20% chance of getting the top two picks, right? Which with one was Odin and then two was Durant. So you talk Uh about what ifs, like what if they drafted Durant and then there wouldn't have been this team. That would have been... Or maybe a different version. But yeah, they didn't uh, wind up getting... Yeah, they got five, and they wound up moving that for Ray Allen, and then making... That, of course, became Jeff Green. Ooh, yeah. Interestingly enough, who would later return. And yeah, they ended up flipping that lottery pick. Yeah, and I feel like... And it's funny, I feel like that was the tail end of their bad lottery luck right i mean they they did well with pierce but they got lucky with him but they had kind of had a string of these draft lotteries picks not working out for them at all right sure and i think for celtics fans because of course we are celtics fans not not experts experts. (laughs) for celtics fans we of course all remember very well the tim duncan draft yeah that was what i was thinking of yeah, where uh, we may, in an alternate reality, have drafted Tim Duncan because we rightfully got that pick. And, Steve, we like to look at things through a positive light and also a fair and 
let's say longer term, longer tail, bigger picture lens. Were those string of draft lotteries luck? Were they something more? We don't really know. We can't speculate. What we do know is that this was the beginning of a changing of fortune as far as the Celtics not only contending in this big three era, but really, as our earlier episodes have covered, being a perennial Eastern Conference contender for much of the era after, you know, a brief couple of years of rebuilding. Um, but it really set the wheels in motion for uh, a new era of Celtics excellence. So Definitely. thank you to all that had to happen that did or didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you the nailed what it. Ifs, the what the, fours. <laughs> you nailed it. Then the era before this of the, the Antoine Walker years and the early Paul P Pierce years, I mean, those, I mean, those teams that, and that all just changing overnight, you know, with this 07 team, but that coming out of that, you were sort of, those were, those teams pulled on your heartstrings, right? Because they were just exciting to watch. They got all fired yeah. up, but, but inherently flawed, right? And just not going to go the distance. But I... Not realistic. You and I were prime young men watching Antoine Walker, you know, and, and he was fun to watch. <laughs> Pulling our hair out. Exactly. <laughs> um, talk about ill-advised threes, but no, he was... I mean, him and... And Paul Pierce, and I, I think you, you hit something there. I think that's important that Pierce was a young player and coming up on those teams, um, having to be developed into, you know, the man and, and be one of a cornerstone of three players that you would build a championship around. And I just think that for what it's worth, you know, his development over those years um, was really important. Yeah. Yeah. And what we find is, you know, right leading up to this, he's sort of on an island. Yeah. Uh, right. And we also, you know, need to remind everyone that uh, this preceded LeBron going to Miami. Yeah. And really ushered in. Uh, a modern staple now of pairing uh, three perennial all-stars together to form a super team. So kudos to, you know, the whole Celtics uh, front office at the time for making this happen. I mean, uh, for would you say it was unprecedented trigger. at the time? I don't think it was unprecedented per se. I mean, I know they were like three this, amazing, but right. I know there were three amazing players on, on teams like at times, but to make all these crazy moves to bring in such like marquee guys from different markets and different teams right. into one team, like you're saying to make a super team that certainly happened yeah. after this a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it happened uh, I think differently in different eras and what you're seeing here is maybe the first of a modern uh, way of literally just <laughs> acquiring yeah. two all-world players. Um, 
But of course, Steve, we are not experts, so no. we don't uh, we don't know exactly. Other than it certainly certainly seemed to usher in what followed, and pretty hilarious when people were claiming that Miami was doing anything remotely novel, uh, other than simply following the exact blueprint that this big three <laughs> Celtics did. Uh, one thing I also want to talk about, Steve, is the near misses, you know, during and towards the end of this era, since we look back, we have uh, talked about the trade and the trade with Brooklyn that ended this era and sent a lot of this team, of course, including Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to the Nets. Uh, but what we haven't yet talked about on this podcast, Steve, is the preceding couple seasons, uh, and especially the year right before the Brooklyn trade, where it was clear that this era was over. And uh, I'd like to think that all of us passionate fans had hoped for maybe at least one more championship mm. out of this big three era. Steve, do you think that only getting one championship was a letdown from this big three era? Mm. I would have to, from where it started, you kind of have to say it was like that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you know, I guess. You can't be too greedy, but they they just started so in such an electrifying way, winning, beating the Lakers and winning a championship that sure that you would think that they would have won another one. You know, I don't I don't think it's as a fan, I don't think I'm being like a you know, greedy or annoying or like out of place to say like, hey. And I'm sure, yeah. and they certainly were all trying to win another one. And I think they caught some tough breaks, right? Absolutely. And whether that was injuries, uh, you know, timing uh, on other stars in the league, right? Yeah. Having to face Pete Kobe twice in the finals, having to play LeBron through his uh, maturation and then peak so many times in the Eastern Conference, mm -hmm. play off some finals. Um, Ultimately, a few key injuries derailed definitive runs. Uh, stuff we'll dig into as we get deeper into this era and uh, further episodes. But right now, I just like to take a moment and reflect on what could have been. Hmm. Okay. We won't get greedy and say this was going to be a full on you know, three-peat dynasty or anything. But, Steve, can you imagine if in 2009-2010 rematch against the Lakers... Yeah, that's the one. Perk had stayed healthy, yeah. and they had won in seven against Kobe Powell and Andrew Bynum again. That would have been really great. Ah, oh, that Perk injury... Man, that is one that will forever, forever uh, just haunt the memories of what could have been from this era. Mm. Uh, what could have been, Steve? Yeah, that should have been number two. Could have been number number two, I should say. And it's unfortunate that it was. It comes down to 
her getting hurt, there nobody else on that roster being able to step up and though she does certainly an admirable job uh, doing his best out there. Old man Sheed. Yeah, and that you know they were up against like we said, I don't want to say peak Kobe, but Kobe with a vengeance, right? Having lost previously to them. Chip on his shoulder. Sure. I mean, and I think, you know, you could say maybe when he was with Shaq, he was even more explosive, but he was, I think, peak as far as like an alpha and just developed game and killer and still uh, incredibly dominant physically. So it was, it was a great, great, exciting near miss. And certainly, you know, that year and maybe even. Some others, um, you know, certainly the follow-up if Garnett doesn't get hurt. Uh, you'd love to see at least a much deeper run in yeah. the year two, right? And you saw, you know, how without one of those big three, you know, it was like Voltron. They needed all their powers combined to be a super, super team. Uh, one of them missing for an extended period, and certainly the playoffs just certainly wasn't going to cut it. And Steve, I think that is something that's really interesting to look at the larger ramifications of this ushering in super teams. And then, of course, this was done through trades, right? So this wasn't done through forced player movement, yeah. which we see now. Uh, wasn't done exactly through the modern means we see now across the board. Um, but it did, did show us what you can do building around through all world players. And also these ups and downs showed us that you need all three healthy, right? You need all three on the court. Absolutely. I mean, the big what if is health. And if they could have been healthy, then maybe that one championship is three. That's possible. Three. Yeah. And if it's multiple, then does Ray Allen stick around longer? Um, you know, we'll dig into specifics. Uh, in our later episodes about each of those pivotal moments uh, during seasons. But right now, we just want to take a moment in Celtics strong, true fashion to, uh, to pour one out for what could have been <laughs> and be, be thankful for what was. Oh, yeah. uh, and that was Banner 17. They can never take uh, that one away from us. They can never take that one away from us and uh it's the one that keeps us tied with the lakers franchise across multiple locations for 17 as well so uh it's a big one and you know what and you gotta love it like even just thinking about that one gets me hyped kevin garnett kevin garnett's emotion his 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 whole being when they won the championship just is awesome like, and what a great thing to be on board for and be a part of. Yeah. So a part of, and for us and for others who may be similarly aged or similarly aged in their fandom, or at least just similarly had suffered and toiled through a lot of down years in the 90s and a lot of excitement around and then near misses around the draft this was such an amazing payoff and 
for us specifically, Steve, I barely remember the glory days of the 80s. And that means that most of my actual Celtics real fandom was futile until this era. And so for a lifelong suffering Celtics fan till this point, wow, what an exciting era. And just to, to see the three of them step on the court any given night, you knew they had not only a shot, but a really good shot to win that game. Yeah. And that is hard to say. That is hard to say in any sport, in any league. Uh, I don't know, but I can definitely imagine that was what it was like maybe in 86 or 84 or even 83 with Bird and Parrish and McHale. Of course, that 86 championship run was the one that was closest to uh, something we could have really remembered, but still a little early for us. Man, that excitement of just knowing your team had a chance to beat anyone in the world. Oh, special time. Special time and a special team. I remember very vividly the ownership change, right, that happened before that with Weck when he became the owner. Um, right. And this this era that you brought up, this sort of late Antoine Walker, Pierce coming into form time where they were, they were kind of making some noise, but also sort of frustrating to watch at the same time. And I remember right. I had a friend whose mom wound up in the owner's box watching one of these games. And... And he's on the phone. He, he was on the, the phone with his mom and jokingly, he's, she's like, oh, I'm sitting with the new Celtics owner right now. And he was like, jokingly like, oh, tell him that the Celtics suck. And he <laughs> never in a million years thought that she would actually say that. But then she did. She goes, my, to Weck. She's like, my son says the Celtics suck. And then his response was, you tell your son that we have a plan <laughs> just really definitively <laughs> you tell them we have a plan and that, I mean, they definitely yeah. had Danny in place and had, you know, they, they probably identified what they had in Pierce and they were like, how do we, what do we need yeah. to do to put the packages around him? But I mean, talk about right, going, we need to get the coach. We need to, yeah. Get rid of anyone else. <laughs> um, but unbelievable turnover and just like to something that as a, as an NBA fan or as a fan of the Boston Celtics, Celtics, the Celtics, <laughs> not the Red Sox, the, the Boston, as a fan of the Boston Celtics, whoa, as a fan of the Boston Celtics, what they did, they put together this team that I couldn't even have imagined. This team. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so pretty amazing. amazing. So amazing. The transformation into this and the expectations uh, of a perennial, perennial, <laughs> the expectations of what had been a perennial favorite has sunk so low that 
What I think you're really getting at here, Steve, is a great, great point, which is that this uh, caught us by surprise in many ways and uh, far exceeded any hopes, even maybe of winning, you know, or getting higher picks in that lottery and what that might have become. Who knows? Like, maybe we get, you know, one and take Greg Oden and don't keep you know, two, or we don't get two, we trade two. Who knows? Uh, I would like maybe to, maybe it would, doesn't end up with Kevin Durant. I would like to, <laughs> I would like to hope that Danny would have picked Kevin Durant, but yeah, he was always one for wings, right? But you never know. Right. The Odin hype was know. real. You never know. <laughs> um, yeah. There have been, I'd like to think, Steve, in our sports life, there have been uh, several moments where uh, as multi-religious background, uh, non-religious practicing folk, we could call uh, somewhat of a miracle. Just uh, This is beyond my wildest dreams I've ever dreamed, even as a dreaming fan uh, of this happening. And I, I liken this to the 2001 Patriots going all the way. Mm. That uh, improbable run, everything that had to happen from the Drew Bledsoe injury on uh, to them actually winning. Uh, there are moments that just seem like there must be uh, some sports angels. <laughs> <laughs> now, Steve, without, of course, digging in too deep, uh, we do have to say that uh, there is some, of course, serendipity in the timing of everything based on Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale uh, being GMs of the Celtics and Timberwolves and the trade that led to Kevin Garnett. So without diving in here, uh, we'd like to thank the previous Celtics Big Three era <laughs> for the assist on this big three era. Big assist and MVP for sure was was uh, Kevin McHale again. And, you know, you brought up a great point. Um, this was an incredibly serendipitous and magical time for Boston sports in general, you know, and the fact that it had already started with the Pats a few years later, then they had their back-to-back wins, and then... Um, this was the Celtics time and they really, they went for it and they had all this energy and, and, and magic and grew. And I think I remember, I think the outside perspective, right. Was this whole Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge thing. And there was a lot of grumblings. You can imagine not being a Celtics fan and how you would feel about this trade (laughs) versus how we felt about it, which we were like, what? Yeah, and somewhat fairly so, I would, you know, say that, and this is something I've heard actual experts say, Steve. Right. If you ship out a superstar and you get a lot of pieces in return, you generally lose that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was seemingly a case of that. And let's remind anyone who forgot that Minnesota lost in the first round of the playoffs with Kevin Garnett 
every single year. Yeah. I forget. Was it six or seven straight? It was every single year. So for a franchise that had seemingly hit a ceiling with that star, <laughs> it wasn't realistic to bring in two more for Minnesota. And I think Kevin McHale, honestly, may have thought he got the best deal possible. He did get the entire Celtics future, including Big Al, Big Al Jefferson, uh, who was somewhat the cornerstone of this trade. And I don't remember how many players they got. Uh, and of course, as we are not experts, we don't know precedent on this, but I do think this was one of the most amount of players traded for one, or I forget if we got anyone even back with Garnett. I feel like it was just like so many players and draft picks for one or two T-Wolves um, that it may have even led to rule changes. Uh, once again, we're not experts, so we're not sure about that, but it may. Uh, and the Celtics were very, very smart to go all in like this. Makes me think that maybe this is the type of going all in that fans have wanted, that fans have wanted from the end of the Danny Ainge era, but not got as much post the two J's. So that's something interesting we could touch on later, maybe, is uh, was this trade to go all in uh, something we need or have needed more recently? But definitely this was worth it. And managing to keep just enough uh, to put around the big three and keep this a competitive roster from day one uh, or I should say make it really a competitive roster from day one was pretty impressive. That's something that's hard to do though. And, you know, Rondo, a beloved, beloved Celtic strong figure and continues <laughs> to be uh, a contributing veteran in this league, was really a polarizing player coming into the league. Draft stock had gone down because of some various concerns and actually he was still a bit of a polarizing player and something that I think it would be great to really just uh, fondly remember and acknowledge is how this big three era turned Rondo big perk and some other young players who stuck around with Pierce and of course Garnett and Ray Ray it really turned them into amazing players and set the stage for awesome careers, both on and off the court. Uh, Rondo, of course, continuing to be a productive NBA point guard, often on playoff teams, and Perk now uh, a full-time announcer. I mean, Steve, Perk was drafted out of high school, you know? These were guys that were homegrown and it was amazing to see them mature too and become so integral to this. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to get into all these seasons, to get into those players, because you're absolutely right. The homegrown aspect of this, adding these superstars, having these guys come up 
to be real, the other pieces of this. And Rondo's development, maturity, playmaking, he was a big part of, of this whole era, and it can't be understated. He was a blast really? to watch. He had a chip on his shoulder. He played with a lot of passion. He and Garnett, I feel like mm. he, I think him w- w- playing with Garnett was just a huge thing for his his career. And I'm, I'm excited to get into all of this and more as we look back at this uh, championship team and this era of the big three of Garnett, Pierce, and Allen. Absolutely, Steve. Very excited, very excited. And I know that we both have some great personal experiences and stories and memories from this time. And I know we're also very excited to have some special guests to talk about this era. So without spoiling anything, we are going to wrap up what is the predecessor or the the appetizer, shall we say, to diving in to the last big three era. KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, what a triumvirate, a holy Celtics triumvirate they formed. And we cannot wait to dive in. So thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to CelticStrong.com the number one Celtics chat forum. We cannot wait to bring you the last big three era multi-parter coming soon.